So uh, today here I have Jessica Bishop. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, we're currently sitting under a doona for extra sound uh, quality. That's duvet for British people. <laughs> duvet for British people, yes. So I invited Jessica today because uh, I wanted to talk to her about game development and her role in it, which is kind of a funny one, I think, uh, for Jess because she has mixed roles in game development and she does a pile of different things, including documentary making, which is just one of your like little bows. I, yeah, I have a um, varied background and uh, documentary filmmaking is one of them. Um, installation art is another. And that sort of led me to game design where I am currently. Yeah, you're, you're a total weirdo. <laughs> Interest <Sorry>. everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, game designer by day, filmmaker and game designer by night. Yeah. So what was the first project that started you on the game design journey? It probably started with the Science Museum. We had a project um, that was with the, with the Science Museum in London and we had to make something for one of their special events that they had. And it was actually, we made a, a paper game, but we realised that people like to do craft on these crazy event nights that the Science Museum have. And um, we actually built a, a physical game where you can build your own anti, uh, antibiotic or bacteria and then fight them in an arena. And we designed all the the paper card nets for the antibiotics and the bacteria and then d uh, got motors for them and people built them and they battled them and they had so much fun. And that was when I realized, ah, games, I kind of, I like the idea of making more games, but that was pretty um, lo-fi uh, paper cards and some, some motors Sounds almost a little bit like a hippocon, like a crappy robot contest. Yes, it was. Okay, yeah. a fantastic but it with was. antibiotics. And yeah, people, um, we designed, I think, about six of each. So you could have um, tetracycline um, or streptococci uh, <laughs> and you could choose which one you wanted to be and battle them and see who was going to win the human body. Wow. So, and that was the first and then and then I came... And then that brought me to where I am now. Yeah. And what have you been doing in the last, well, year since you moved to Berlin? It's about a year, isn't it? Yes, it is a year now. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure uh, how much I can tell you uh, what I do during the day. I guess um, a lot of people know that uh, Honig Studios are working on Alejo, um, which is a stealth, stealth game. Um, and then in my personal time, uh, I'm actually working on a web a web game that's a chat-based game. Mm -hmm. um, and that you go into a chat room and it's anonymous and you are set a challenge, which is um, based on an experiment by Dr. Arthur Aaron from the 1990s mm -hmm. to increase intimacy and connections between strangers. A lot of people know it as, I think, 36 questions to fall in love. But that he, the, Dr. Arthur Aaron didn't mean it like that. And it was the New York Times that picked it up, picked up, picked up his experiment and named it that. And so we use that and you go into this chat room and you go through these questions that get slowly more intimate. And you can choose which question you want to ask the person on the other side of the chat room. And eventually you only get to ask and answer three. You have to be prepared to answer everything you want to ask. All the questions are reciprocal. And they range from a question in section one that you might talk about, 
might be who would you like to have over for a hypothetical dinner party? Mm-hmm. And then you go through to questions in level three and it's um, more like when did you last cry? What's your relationship with your mother like? Okay, so it um, gets slowly more and more personal as you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. it gets pretty personal towards the end and um, normally people do this over 36, over 36 questions. For our game, 27 worked you actually only answer nine because we've mm-hmm. split those into three that you can choose from to give you a choice and to make sure that the um, the experience is sort of compact and it's like a quiz and it's it's fun and um, fast. And actually the way that you personally can input the answers is through things like emoji chat mm-hmm. and selecting GIFs and sliders and words from like a fridge magnet. You don't actually type yourself Mm -hmm. so you're limiting the chances for also it to be kind of uncomfortable in a in a certain way as well yeah um it it allows people to be a bit more free and open and have um still a little bit of anonymity Mm -hmm. um it also um allows us to sort of protect the other players as well Mm -hmm. um because i once made a chatbot and the first thing people start doing is swearing at it yeah. So, um, so I thought um, we'll try and limit the responses and make them fun so that people are less likely to waste their chance or waste their answer. But yeah, basically through this process, you're starting to get hints of the person's background, you know, where, where they might be from, what their, what their life experience is like. At the same time, it's on a level of, you know, trying to persuade someone almost as if the whole test is like you are meeting someone as if you might want to take them for a beer. It's very on a basic emotional level, things that you can relate to. It's nothing too um, highbrow. Mm -hmm. And actually at the end, you have the chance to meet the person you've been talking to. And I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but I guess I guess it yeah it doesn't matter. But at the end, basically, all the people that we have um, in the game, all the people that you're talking to, are actually pre-recorded interviews, mm-hmm. and they're pre-recorded interviews with refugees based in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And the reason we the reason we did this is because we want to actually well remove the label of re- of refugee mm-hmm. and introduce people on a basic human level as if they could be friends mates just go and take them take them for a drink or something because um there is this sense of otherness and even people that support the refugee cause may not go and actually reach out to someone that's from iraq or syria and be their friend they're happy to support them on a political level but a lot of um things that we have to do now especially in berlin or especially in germany germany oops um, especially in Germany, where there have been a lot of refugees arriving, is integration, and we have to um, think a lot about that now. So this game is um, essentially uh, trying to encourage integration and trying to get people to think more, less, less, less about think less about the fact that they might have had this horrific journey and um, all the troubles that they've gone through to get to Europe. And more on a on a human level to to connect with them, mm. um, and we hope this game does that, but in a f- in a fun way as well, um, through the emoji chat, through the the web game chat chat room um, aesthetic. Um, it's got quite a simple, bright aesthetic, and um, people hopefully won't immediately realise what's going on until the end. 
mm-hmm. um, because you only find out really who you're talking to if you if you want to. It's optional. After the after the games finish, you can because it's based on a psychological um, experiment. You can actually choose uh, how close you felt to someone. We have two sliding scales of between one and seven. And you choose sort of if I feel close to them, I might pick six. If I didn't feel so close, I might pick two. But that's before you know who they are. That's mm-hmm. just based on their answers to the questions. And then um, and then you find out you can choose if you want to find out who they are afterwards. When you say that you have the chance to meet them, um, you mean in person or you kind of see a photo of them and, and there's a pre-recorded something at the end, like an introduction or how does it how does it work? How can you meet? Um, well, the whole experience is actually just based on text and audio currently. Um, there is a potential we might have some form of video at the end, like a video chat or something. But at the moment, yeah, it's just text and audio. Um, there's no visuals. And when you get to the, do you want to meet or find out more about who you're talking to, you um, actually get a little audio interview, um, similar, I guess, to what we're doing now, but and the person actually tells you a little bit more about their themselves themselves now and how they're experiencing being in Europe and the challenges they've faced sort of being here so they don't talk too much about how they got here they don't talk about um potentially the war zone that they came from mm-hmm. uh they talk about the difficulties they're facing now and how they're trying to get asylum um but it's taken 8 months maybe a year and they still have had nothing and they're waiting in a refugee camp that's possibly an airport I mean it's still heavy hitting stuff though what they're going to be talking about mostly is I mean I'm assuming you've done a lot of these recordings already yeah we've done quite a few of the recordings already and it was uh, I had to obviously do all 27 questions Mm -hmm. with all the guys and then at the end after we've done the 27 questions talk to them Um, personally about what's happening to them now and I decided to focus um, because we don't want too too much um, the interviews can't be too long at the end so I thought it would be better to focus on something that's specific to to the individual and so one of the guys talks a lot about his family and how he's only I think he was 21 when we did the interview he might be 22 now and he actually came with his little brother and little sister and they're all under the age of 10 and he's sort of their main carer here. And so at the end, Aww. yeah, and uh, yeah, he brought them here. So we talk a lot about that and family and how he's trying to keep his family together and how actually um, the German government have been pretty good with that and keep they keep them all together and make sure they can stay together. And his little brother and little sister are going to school and they already speak German. And um, I think younger the younger kids are finding it easier to integrate. Um, and then another guy... He is focusing on work and he's managed to get an apprenticeship because he's he's really talented. So we talk about how how hard it was for him initially to find this apprenticeship and how technically when you come here as a refugee, you can't work. Mm-hmm. And what that does to these young men who have to just uh, sit in a camp all day and they don't have enough money to do anything. Um, they don't know anyone outside the camp. And they have no work to keep them busy during the day. There's no built-in structure like there is for the younger kids. I think maybe that's perhaps one of the reasons why it's a bit easier. Is yeah, there's a there's often school not straight away, but fairly quickly. There's you know 
a bit of a routine. There's yep. a group of people that you see every day, but that must be super tough. Yeah, so we touch on that with um, with with him. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be it'll be fun and it will um, people will learn something, but they'll do it through um, intrigue. We're not like forcing mm. things down their throat, hopefully, and um, they'll just enjoy playing the game and trying the emoji chat and trying to figure out who they're talking to and find out more about the person, find out um, what their happiest memory is, what their last. Yeah, what their what their last dinner party was when they last cried. Um, yeah, human things. Human things. Yeah. What their opinion of love is. Yeah, and it's kind of nice to separate someone and be like, okay, we can take you out of this horrible group, which is just the only association that people are having with. You know, it's um, yeah, this label that you can't remove. You don't get anything else. You don't get to also be in the workplace at the moment. You don't get to be outside of this group for any other reason. So it's nice to kind of connect in a different way. Sounds really cool. Yeah. And actually something that was important to the game, that's still important to the game, is that we developed it alongside with um, with refugees from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, the game has gone through many stages. It wasn't initially anything that it is now. It was something else completely, um, something that was going to be a location-based based game with sharing stories about local stories about Berlin and things like that, almost like a, a audio tour. Mm-hmm. And so it went through many different transitions, and this was because we were finding out um, what problems were were happening with them and what they wanted and what they wanted to say. And we worked with with them to kind of choose the questions and make sure and sort of change them so that they could understand them and um, yeah they were they're part of the working process. Hmm. Cool. So what's the name of the project? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Oops. I was just like I, I don't know. Do does it have a? a it a it name has right a name. Now? I always say working title until it's made, but uh, it has a name, and the name at the moment is Common Ground. Common Ground. Cool. Yes. And when are you expecting that you might have it finished? Ish. You're looking at me like with with eyes just going like I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, we're currently um, applying to lots of funding mm-hmm. because we're actually developing this. Uh, we spend our Saturdays um, making this. Um, I was working on it full time for a little while, um, but that was a lot of mainly development process. Yeah. Um, like I told you, um, working with the refugees, I was running workshops in the refugee centres and just sort of doing a lot of research. Um, and now that we're actually making it um, and doing all the code and yeah, making the web game, we do it every Saturday. So it's taking it's taking a lot of time, and we're looking for funding. So if anyone's listening, um, but everyone's looking for money, <laughs> and um, yeah, so we hope by sort of summer. Cool. So soon. Yeah, and I guess if you've listened and you know the giant secret behind who you're talking to, don't share it with other people. <laughs> I mean, it's also, it is a, maybe, maybe it will be a secret for some people yeah. and they will get a surprise. But I think even if the the secret gets out... I think it's um, probably going to have to end up getting out, especially if you're going out. for funding. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think, it, I don't think the whole secret of the project is the main, the main thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's mainly about getting to know someone and the content as well. Yeah in the interviews um, is really strong. So I think people will want to play it anyway to find out what people have said and 
Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds really good. <laughs> Thanks. And it sounds like it's come a lot further than since I last spoke to you about it. Because Jess and I speak like in passing about this project, but it's kind of been something that's been bubbling along for quite a while. And I've only known Jess about six months. So, yeah. No, it sounds like it's really coming along. But you don't want to talk about anything about what you do and your other role during your day? Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how much I can say. I don't know why I'm worried about that. I'm not sure either, actually. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. what's, what's your main role then maybe there as well? So give There's us your, your day job. Slashes. Um, so my day job, I work as a graphic designer. I do lots of user interface. Um, I do a little bit of user experience. And I'm also working as a, a level designer, which was unexpected, but enjoying it. So, <laughs> yeah. So this is sort of um, what I'm doing at the moment. And we're working on a stealth game, computer stealth game that will be for mobile as well. Um, well, we were working on it together. Yeah, we were working on it together. Um, it's, it's kind of a funny one because this is how I got to know Jess. Yeah. So she was doing level design and I was doing, I don't know, bits and bobs of all things. Working in a small company is just one of those things where you get a lot of exposure to a lot of different things, which is nice and can also be very challenging. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I think I think it's great because I've been able to try so many different things and you can talk to people if you want to collaborate or work together or um, if you have a problem or something, it's really easy to um, to chat about it and work work through it because it's such a small company. Um but then also it, it depends what you're, what you're interested in because my roles are sort of... I also organise a bi-monthly game design event. So I also do that as well through the company. Um, if you have a game, get in touch. <laughs> Sorry. I'll link at the end to an email address and some, some websites too and show notes. So there's some links and ways to get in contact with Jess about her new game, Common Ground, or... The event run at Honig Studios, uh, which is bi-monthly in Berlin. So we were talking a lot about, I was curious about why you're doing this podcast now. And we were talking about women in game development, um, working together and making sure that your work isn't in a vacuum. Yeah. So um, what I'm looking to start is a collective for women. So the podcast is separate to that and it's not part of the women's collective, which I want to be. I want the Women's Collective to be for women, whereas the podcast is something a bit different. Um, podcast is about uh, local game developers in Berlin and sharing what's going on and what their roles are and how they got into it and things that they're interested in, that kind of thing. Whereas I'm also really interested in starting a women's group of developers who come together and share resources and also share a name. And I think that's really important because um, being part of a collective, you have more clout, more reach, um, more chance to um, partake in bigger events. And that's really important is to have a group of people who are a group of women who perhaps normally wouldn't um, be able to apply for certain things or go to certain conferences because they're just one person or just a small group of people working together. So the idea is to have a bigger umbrella that fits us and um that's I, I do want it to be a bit democratic so it's kind of difficult to be like I want to start this thing and who's interested um and starting you kind of need 
I don't know, I feel like I need about 10 people to come together and say, yes, we're really interested and democratically we're going to decide exactly how it's going to be. But those are kind of my ideas for what I think it could be. Um, And I think it would be nice to showcase women in Berlin, uh, in Germany, in Berlin, and also perhaps internationally at some point too, because we do travel, we do go to even little game design events or game jams or partake in the international community. So to to stand together and say, hey, this is what we do and this is what we're about and showcasing, yeah, sh- showcasing I think is is the main thing. Um, and I think you see with things like, um, like Amaze last year, they had to talk about like the rise of the collectives um, and a few different collectives spoke, particularly South Laden. Um, mm-hmm. I was just saying I was there last night. Um, and also Copenhagen Games Collective. And by being in those collectives, by having initiatives that are not super regular but regular enough, they have a name which people know. They're asked to do certain things at, at certain events. Um, they're asked to put on workshops. And that's kind of what I would like. So, um, you know, there's there's an event going on. Uh, we're asked as a group of women developers um, and game makers to put something on perhaps it's for women perhaps it's for girls perhaps it's just a you know like as a show of diversity don't care just want to be out there um and yeah like flying the flag yeah (laughs) i and i think from i think for me and probably others too having um a collective creates a pool of talent so when you're looking for people to collaborate with it's sort of easy to find people and easy to find what people are working on at the time um, which I think is personally really useful when you're looking when you're looking to start a project and you're just like who should I who should I work with? You don't necessarily always want to work with your friends. You want to meet new people, yeah. um, a, and a collective and and things like that can give people strength. It's a great way to get to know people really quickly, and I, that's what I also like too. Is I'm not so good at the like going out and drinking socializing thing anymore. Like I mean, oh. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm really rubbish with hangovers these days. Yeah. So it's kind of like for me, I've always liked. Uh, and I've been in a few collectives before, and one of my favourites was uh, called the 4C Collective, which was in Brisbane, Australia. And that was just a group of us who just freaking loved being together and liked making things together. And we'd organise these events that would have um, local musicians, local artists, um, and it would take place and it would be like a night of partying and fun and ex- exhibition and workshop and creating mm-hmm. stuff. and And it was just that was my favorite way of hanging out with people was you're working towards something. And so that's kind of how I like to spend my social time as well is like working towards a bigger goal or uh, something creative or just, just making. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a maker at heart. Yes. Yeah. Me too. It's a, a weird impulse or it's part of your soul. You have to keep making stuff. Yeah. It's part of your soul. Of your, I'm getting so dramatic now. I'm so dramatic. But I mean, it does feel like an impulse. And yeah. when you're not doing something or working towards something, you're then looking for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And even for a while, like I was feeling so uh, stuck that I was knitting on the train because that for me, I could just see that I was working towards something, even though I was doing it kind of alone. And it was like this weird little thing that I was like doing. It was just... I wasn't using my hands enough and I wasn't feeling like I was creating enough. So my, <laughs> and I didn't feel like I had any time. So my way of doing it was on my commute on the train. I'd sit there and knit. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'd much prefer to do that in a group of people and in a group of like kick ass awesome women. Hell yes. Yeah. But um, 
Okay, so when is this going to happen? Well, I don't know. It's like when I get enough interested women together, like I've been kind of talking about it here and there. Um, and again, at Staff Laden last night, I was invited to just hang out and uh, Lorenzo Pillar, the uh, organiser of Talk and Play, he just came back from uh, GDC and wanted to share like his his findings and his like funny thoughts about GDC and his disappointments and everything else. Mm. Um which was really nice. Uh, there was one other woman at the event. But, uh, yeah, like last time I kind of talked about, you know, studying, studying the collective and there were a few people who were interested, which was awesome, and a few people who knew other people who might be interested, which was really awesome. So I guess that's kind of how it happens is like, yeah, hey, saying, first of all, hey, I want to start something and then hoping that enough people are like, yeah, sounds cool, and will eventually like come and join me. Mm. I don't know. I think with enough enthusiasm and dedication, that happens. We've actually just, it was just the project that I was speaking to you about was just two people. I was just, yeah, I was just saying that, um, so you're, we're talking about enthusiasm and attracting people and to work on your projects and dedication. And I think if you have that, um, people will people will come. And there was just two of us um, working on Common Ground. And we've recently just partnered with another, with a front-end developer. And I, that was really exciting for me because I personally don't know her. So the, the core team of the game was just friends, people who I knew. And now we have someone that I don't know and she's happy to work on the project and she likes it for a game and for the idea. Who, who is she? Where did you find her? What's she doing? Ah, um, <laughs> all the questions. <laughs> she's called uh, Nat- Natalia, um, and I found her through a friend of a friend. And she's a front end developer at a company. Can I mention brands? I don't know. It's fine. Um, yeah, she's a front end developer at I think Holiday Pirates, but maybe we don't. Maybe what's don't her name? That. Natalia. 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 Holiday Pirates. Like this Ola Piraten yeah. thing. Oh well, that's kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so, cool. So she, but she was interested um, on the game aspect or the social aspect or a bit of both. Um, she was in. She was interested in the game aspect, um, and of the other friend who I know, um, who I'm working on it with, um, called Edemar. Um, he he told her, yeah, it's a game. Uh, it's got some really cool animations because we do have some really cool front e- front end animations. And so she came in for that because it's just something to work on, uh, something fun to work on, and it's cool. And then I told her about the project, and she was shocked. He hadn't given her any context of the background <laughs> of the project, and she was like, "Wow, I thought you were just doing something um, sort of uh, fun and fun and yeah. uh, throwaway or something." Wow. And, and then she was like, "No, this is uh, this." Yeah, this is awesome. So we're meeting up today, actually. So well, that's um, yeah. It seems like a kind of big oversight by Hidama, not to mention like yeah, not, the crux of the project. Yeah, I think he left that to me. They just went off and had a, a huge technical conversation, and they were salivating over yeah front end animations. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that sounds a bit gross. <laughs> Did you do the animations then for this? Um, I'm. I haven't coded them, but I'm. I'm doing the visual design. Yeah. Okay. Right. There you so go. I've done the. I've done the visual design for this project and the the user interface and um yeah sort of the user experience of how people go through the ge- game. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And um, but collaborating with Natalia means that the front end animations will probably get even better. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really nice also, like, attracting people who 
really have a certain expertise as well. That's super nice. Yeah. 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 Before Edemar was doing everything, front end and back end development and now now we have more clear roles and I think it will be stronger for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so this is yeah, this is kind of thing, isn't it? Like you put it out there that you're looking for something else. And you found someone based on the technical interest and then like you kind of hooked her with the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like it sounds backwards from how I would do it because I guess I'm also more based in the game design area. And you, I mean, I kind of think when I think about uh, your strengths, so like I think of you especially based in narrative. So this is also interesting that it's like it's eventually come back to the reason of the project. But yeah, it seems it seems backwards to me. But yeah. yeah. I think it's whatever you whatever attracts you to a project doesn't um, matter, does it? doesn't matter. Yeah. but I think a lot of people are just looking for something fun and something a bit different to work on and if people are trying new things, trying to do something different, then people will want to get involved and help you with that and it's definitely worth telling people. If you're working on something in your bedroom or something just it's definitely worth telling someone else because they'll probably find it interesting and they'll want to help you. It's that first step though, isn't it? It's like committing to the project once you've told somebody. Yes, yeah. Saying it out loud means it's real and you have to finish it. <laughs> oh, that's tough too, the completionist thing. Well, I mean that's I mean that in my head. I mean, there's also some projects just are never going to happen and if they're not going to happen, you have to cut your losses. Yeah. But um in in my mind when I get stuck into a project, I really want to have to finish it. <laughs> I think this might have been the problem with the podcast. I mentioned it as an idea to a few people and then all of a sudden people were like, wow, that sounds great. And I was just like, ah, okay, that's good. People are interested. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. And then things just started appearing like equipment arrived and, you know, someone agreed to do my intro song um, and a few people agreed to be interviewed and it was like, oh, okay. I guess this is really happening now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think if I hadn't mentioned, I, I think the first time I like kind of officially mentioned it was like at Saftladen at a round table as well. And I think maybe if I hadn't mentioned it, I would have been safe to just do my job and do my master's and, and not work on this. But I don't know. I'm kind of pleased I am. If it just means that I get to hide under a doona with you, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've made a little sound studio. It's working mm. pretty well, though, I think. I think it's working pretty well. It looks nuts. We're under a... What is this called? Some washing stand. It's a washing stand with a duvet over the top. Totally technical. But you... Uh, you but we know, do have very fancy equipment. The, yeah, the head headsets are pretty fancy looking. Yeah, but um, Jess also has a like techno nut who lives downstairs, so we had to do something about the... <laughs> The techno coming through the floorboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, yeah, like you mentioned it before, but yeah. So this is, yeah, this is, this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing right now, by the way? Um, playing. I have a huge list of things that I'm trying to get through. Um, and one, some of them actually you've been recommended to, you've recommended to me, which I haven't got to play yet, but Firewatch and I'm looking forward to playing All Walls Must Fall. Mm -hmm. Um, they're presenting at the next event that we're doing at Honig Studios. 
Plug, and, plug. Yeah. <laughs> no, and um, actually their game, I think, is part of a maze. So it's been, yeah. so people are judging it or something at Yeah, at it's been submitted. Yeah. I played it last night ah, for the first time. Yeah. Um, but I really dislike playing single player games um, when there's a lot going on in a room because I really need to concentrate. Yeah. And it was such that like, yeah, you know, the end of a busy week and I was sitting down there and um, and you, I don't mind people watching me play if it's just like the one person or the creator of the game, but I wasn't getting it as fast as I want to because I was feeling like super tired and, you know, a bit out of it. And I made this mistake. And the thing is with All Walls Must Fall is it's um, you time travel. Um, I hope they don't mind me saying that. I don't think they will. No, it's they one of the main it's in the mechanics. Description. Okay, yeah. good. Um, so you can go back in time, but I was feeling a little bit uh, like I lazy and not willing to try it out so much because I just wanted to get like a really quick impression. So I kind of knew what to expect, and I like went back in time a little bit, but not enough to actually change the events that I'd already like well and truly screwed up. Um, so it was kind of like I knew that I had screwed up at a certain point, but I kept on going because um, I was like, oh, maybe it'll be fine. And then I was like, no, I really need to go back to that point. But I was like, ah, I just, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not in the state of mind to, to try it out properly. But it looks freaking beautiful. Um, it yeah. looks great. It has this really cool soundtrack. I saw the trailer for it yesterday as well. They're going to do a Kickstarter campaign. Um, it looks totally rad <laughs> there's no other way to describe it they have um, a really great art style mm. um yeah they're making a really interesting game and it's um it's like a techno noir game that you start in the future right um so if the berlin wall never came down yeah yeah and then you can work back in time to bring the wall down yeah i'm didn't like I say I had a really quick playthrough like okay. I sat down for less than five minutes to just be like okay what are the main mechanics what are the main controls and even then it was like you know press R to do things and I was like pressing Y because in my brain was just not at the point where I was like I can sit here and figure out all the controls um so it's one of those ones I'd like to sit down and do properly um yeah so I think I'm spending too many time too much time in like casual game territory right now <laughs> Um, but yeah, it looks really great. I'd like to sit down and play it properly. I might have asked them for a key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, what else? Um, well, I'm intrigued to play Sea of Solitude, um, but they only have a trailer yet, so that's probably going to be quite a while. These are all on your waiting this. list, Jess. These are all on my waiting list. <laughs> yeah. I just have, yeah, I have a long uh, waiting list. I was playing um, Solitude the other day. Um, I have no idea what this is. Tell me all about it. <laughs> it's a more experimental game. Um, it's you have sort of landscapes that you kind of explore. Um, it's linked to music. I'm not describing it very well. Um, <laughs> it's what platform first? Um, it's for the computer. I downloaded it from itch. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, it's by it's made by a female developer, Yana. Um, I can't remember her surname, and um, they're they're based they're based just outside Berlin, and they're working on a new game at the moment that I'm intrigued about. Um, yeah, but it's I'm more into games that, or I'm really into games that are about sort of experiences and environments, yeah. and letting you explore those environments. Um, I'm not very good in games that give me a distinct 
um, pathway that I should take mm. or a, yeah. um, and so I like ones that you can explore which is why I like Solitude because it's mainly about the environment and it's a beautiful game to look at um, it doesn't look like a game it looks like a piece of art so how are you navigating the landscape in Solitude is it like with a mouse or what do you it, it's yeah it's is it's it traditional or it's no I think it, yeah no it's pretty um, traditional in their navigation um but uh, you're just exploring through the environments, and um, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't spent that much time. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the tune part of it? Oh, um, it's uh, I'm not actually I'm not actually that I'm not actually that sure about that. Okay, we need more time to investigate. <laughs> need more time to investigate. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're I'm hoping hoping to meet her. Um, soon and and hear more about her next game actually that they're working on so what's the next one Um, seems like you know a little bit about it (laughs) (laughs) i don't it's um it's a crazy landscape um with uh i think a rat king i think it's called i can't remember beneath the stars i'm really bad my memory with uh names is really bad it has a rat king did you say well their their company that they go by is um rat king okay and so the next game that they're working on features these kind of characters like animal based characters um and it's more i think it has more of a direction than solitude Mm -hmm. and more of a quest okay but it's still in development and I can't remember, I think she said it might come out at the end of this year or beginning of next year. They're working on it now. It's really early de- development. Yeah. But an interesting company as well from the sounds of things. Yeah, really interesting company doing some really interesting things. Rad King. I yeah. check them out. Yeah. Yana, yeah. Yana, 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 last name unknown of oh, Rat King. So bad. I should have prepared like a list of things. <laughs> I think I was pretty like <laughs> yeah. I, I was pretty blasé about it. I was like, yeah. no, just like we'll just talk, you know, it'll be fine, you know. We can again, like I can make some links in the show notes. We so Yana, we're really sorry. We will write your name in the show notes because we neither of us know it. <laughs> yes, no, that's good. I'll give you some links to to the games um, that I've been rambling about. <laughs> but Firewatch, I think you'll really enjoy. Um, it is objective based, but. The narrative is really interesting and you have a you have ways of influencing it or you yeah or you definitely feel like you have ways of influencing it I'm not mm. really um I have this problem with first person games that there's a lot of them that I can't play for more than 45 minutes without getting motion sickness oh I know um it's really frustrating uh because I really just want to sit down and finish Firewatch but my limit is 45 minutes um and I thought first of it was frame rate but I have a really good computer now it's definitely not frame rate um, it's just the moving around. Um, and I found a game that actually, I think it's, um, oh, I'm going to say it wrong. The missing of Ethan and Carter, the d- disappearance of Ethan Carter. Ah, oh, the names. Doing um, really well today, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we get for a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, I, the disappearance of Ethan Carter, I think it's called, they have two modes, for instance, and mm. you can turn off like the walkie kind of head bobby thing that a lot of first person games do and that I have much more stamina with but anything which is a little bit head bobby I get a bit stuck I can only do my short sittings so I'm dying to finish Firewatch and tell you exactly if the choices that I'm making 
uh, for the narrative actually yep. have the kind of effect that I think they do or that I hope they do. Yeah. Because um, to me, I guess that's the most interesting thing about this game is um, you have choices, like a limited amount of choices for each uh, interaction you have with a second character. Right. But I don't know if at the end your relationship changes because of those. And I would really like to know. Is that the woman that talks to you? On yes, the Delilah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you have a relationship with Delilah um, that, I mean, you have to talk to Delilah as part of part of finishing certain objectives. But um, there's different ways you can communicate with Delilah or, you know, ignore her or um, at times just not respond to things which are more of a more personal or um, kind of nature. So you have, you do have some choices, but yeah, I really want to know how much that's affecting it. Um, so I guess that'll be interesting to see if I manage to get enough 45 minutes slots to sit down and play. Yeah, ah. yeah. You, you do need to put um, time and get into the right mind, mind frame or mindset for these things. Yeah. Um, yeah, the game, good thing is the game that I'm developing, probably the playtime will be like 10 to 15 minutes. And that's one of the nice things about indie games is a lot of them are um, very compact experiences, which is super great. I mean, you get to try something out, see someone's ideas. I don't think every game should be made into these gigantic, um, you know, gigantic multi episodic pieces mm. of um like have you played life is strange no ah, see that's another one um that one i really enjoyed too but i felt like it could have been paired back a long way that perhaps there was a little bit more in it than needed to be like, i really enjoyed it it has a lot of problems with it which will be pointed out by people who can't deal with you know certain ways that the dialogue takes place it's very american teen oh. but american teen written by french men so that's kind of, <laughs> i think it's written by the uh, by don't nod um uh, yeah so it's this kind of funny funny way of dealing with um with teenage characters okay so they can be a bit angsty at times i mean teenage characters are sometimes a bit angsty so that's okay but mm. it goes a little bit far sometimes um and i feel like that could have been pared down a little bit more because that's quite a long that's quite a long play for what it is I think I don't know yeah cool yeah <laughs> you got like some serious games to play <laughs> I know I'm not very um uh yeah you need to allocate time you do you do I call it research um, that's a good way of getting around this um that's that's a good good thing to do yeah and I think if you call it research too you don't have to play everything from cover to cover you can really sit down and play it until you feel like you get a feel for it and then it becomes not research when I want to finish it like Firewatch <laughs> at that point I'm like okay this is clearly no longer research this is me just playing the game yeah. um, but I do try and play a lot of different games even just for you know 15 minutes to like say okay try it out got the mechanic got a feel for it um yeah. Yeah, at work I think they were discussing is it Zelda has just come out and um yeah, on the Switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how you have to spend you'd have to spend several days in order to get through all the levels and yeah, I was intrigued by how many days they thought they were going to play this. Yeah, I think there might have been a little bit of the <laughs> Switch flu going around. Yeah. Um even at a meeting at where I'm working right now, uh everyone 
not everyone, but I think three out of the five people at a meeting had bought a Switch. And it was uh, like a comparison of how much time they'd managed to log, even though it was, you know, it came out on Monday or a Tuesday. Um, mm. <laughs> it was quite impressive how many hours people had managed to log. It was, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that might be the Switch flu. Yeah, the Switch <laughs> flu. It's yeah. going around. It's going around. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had one in your hands before? No. It's weird. We may even get one for the studio. <laughs> I think it's a good choice. I mean, just to try it out. I don't know. It's. I don't think it'd be my choice of console, but it's. It's interesting to. Yeah, I don't know. There's some, um, some really odd games on it. Like there's these ones which you take the small controllers. You've seen it, right? No, not yet. Okay, so it's a tablet. For people who don't know what the Switch is, it's a tablet, and it's got two little controllers on the side that you can slide out. And so you have some games that you use the two controllers separately, like there's car racing, for instance, or you can use it as a handheld device. So my first game that I played with was, was a racing game. And where the exit the game button is, is in a really awkward place. And I kept exiting the game. It was really frustrating. Um, and then I played this other kind of snippy game where you like, you're both pieces of paper and you have to like cut each other uh, that sounds super weird but you have to like you have shapes that you have to yeah <laughs> you have to paper cut each other cool you have to have sh- you have shapes that you have to make with you and the character the other character and yeah. then last night I played this super weird one which was you're given these tasks and ways to use the controller in interesting ways mm. so someone had clearly gone okay we need to show off the full capabilities of our controllers um, how many stupid games can we make that show this off? So one of them, for instance, you have to move your mouth, uh, pretend to eat a sandwich, uh, and there's like one of the controllers has infrared or something like this. I don't know exactly what it has, but it can see you moving your mouth. It can detect that it changes when you have your mouth open and closed. Oh, okay. So you eat a sandwich. Yeah. Uh, and it, the game is to see how many sandwiches you can eat. Yeah. Which is quite odd. So, um, who are you? Who are you talking to next? I'm talking to Sarah of Lucent Trips next. I want to talk to her about Shaman VR, which I don't know if they actually call it Shaman VR. In my mind, it's Shaman VR. Torsten from Amaze went into VR for 48 hours uh, last year. Yes, and I want to talk to her about her role in that and about caring for someone else in VR, which is super weird. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea of what the future might be like. If you have if you have someone in VR, you're going to have to have people looking after them. Well, yeah, I mean, he's talked about some of the practicalities of it too, like taking stoppers. So, for instance, he can't, you know, yes. doesn't need to poop. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's some really like big practical things uh, yeah. in in that uh, in 48 hours, um, and he slept for like two and a half hours. At night, so he sounds like he would have been an absolute wreck afterwards, mm. like not having eaten properly, not having been to the bathroom probably in two days, not having slept. Like that sounds actually horrific. Um, but yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's what's going on. So thank you for being being the first of Life and Dev. It's been lovely. Oh, thanks for letting me talk to you. <laughs> Over and out. <laughs> Bye.